Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's really good. Doogie knows her stuff. <laughs> Doogie, without you, what would we do? (laughs) I have no idea why my sisters call me Doogie. When I was born, Kathy and Kim just called me that. Now that I think about it, it's a little suspicious. (laughs) She's a good cook. Doogie's a good cook. Because she's like a little Doogie. What's a Doogie, though? I don't know what a Doogie is. A Doogie. Little child. It's a love name. Like a little Tootsie Roll. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry. Special... Uh, Memorial Day edition, and by that I mean I'm just going to be doing a little bit less work because, hey, your girl deserves a little bit of a, of a vacation, but you know what? You're probably not even going to tell because this episode is basically just as long as my other one, so <laughs> here we go. <laughs> um, before we get started, I wanted to announce just a little possibly temporary, possibly permanent uh, schedule change with what is going to be released on the week's schedule. So Married at First Sight is over. It's not coming back until I think July. Um, and with that, that leaves an empty space for Friday. Now for the past couple of weeks, I've been doing Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Real Housewives of New York on the Monday episodes, but I don't like to do that because it just feels like by the time we get to Monday, do you guys really want to hear my opinions when seven other podcasters have done their shows about the exact same episodes? I assume probably not. (laughs) So what I'm going to do is 
have them on Friday's episode. And so moving forward after this week, the Monday episodes will just be a what's going on in pop culture, what's going on in the world of celebrity news, what's going on on the internet, what's happening everywhere in the spaces of the cultural world that I'm interested in. So, um, like I said, Mondays will just be a free for all, right? Wednesdays I'll be doing, uh, Seeking Sister Wife until that's over. And then Fridays will be a double recap of Roni and Beverly Hills. I think that's going to be a schedule that I like. And here's another thing. If anybody over there at the powers of be at Bravo or NBC Universal can get me the screeners for Potomac so that I can do those on the Monday episodes when they start airing in July, I would be so grateful. So Andy, hear my cry. Whatever production company has Potomac Sharp Entertainment, I don't know. Hear my cry. Carlos King, do you hear me? I don't know if he's part of Potomac. I don't think he is, but if anybody at all can help me out, I would be super grateful because I really, really want to recap Potomac, but I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe after Seeking Sister Wife is over, maybe Seeking Sister Wife will be over by the time Potomac airs, which means that I can put that in the Wednesday slot, but I don't know. I would just like to have that be my Monday recap episode. So like I said, if any of you guys can point me in the right direction of somebody to talk to, to get a screener for Potomac, I would be so grateful. And I feel like I deserve it because I have been singing the praises of Potomac for, since its inception. Thank you very much. And, um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let me, let me stop before I start getting attitude and entitlement about (laughs) being able to watch Potomac early. But yeah, that's the schedule for now. So speaking of things that I've been not avoiding, but have been kind of falling by the wayside by doing these Monday episodes is um, I have, for those of you who are like OG listeners, have been following this Lori Vallow case for a long time. And there have been new and exciting developments in the trial and in the case. And it's time to do a Lori Vallow update. Now, for those of you who are not familiar with the story, this is one of the wildest true crime murder mysteries that I have heard of in a long time. And I consume a lot of media when it comes to true crime. Here's the story. I mean, it's it's so wild and entangled that you can't quite do a long story short. And I can't point you in the direction of a particular episode because so much happens that like I was just giving little updates as the weeks went on. But there's no like comprehensive Lori Vallow universe situation. So I'm going to try to explain it as compactly as possible, but you know, I'm probably going to pass out and then find that the clock on this recording says an hour, but here we go. So Lori Vallow, woman about town. She lived in Idaho. She lived in Hawaii. She lived in a couple different states. So she was married 
She's been married a couple times. Some would call her a, a, an attractive woman. Um, she seemed to be one of those women who seemingly had it all together. And, mm, you know, uh, there were always cracks in that foundation. But the, the dam burst and the floodgates opened. So, <clears throat> to speed you up... Um, Lori had a son, then she has a daughter. She has, a, I think all of these children have different fathers and cut to 2006, she marries a guy named Charles Vallow. So she entered into this marriage with her two kids, Colby and Tylee, and then Charles and Lori decide to adopt Charles's sister's grandson who is named JJ and he has um I think he may have been on the autism spectrum so around 2014 so we're like eight years into this marriage the Vallows all moved to Kauai in Hawaii they did their thing nothing weird they end up moving back to the mainland um sometime around 2016 2017 so we're talking they've been married for about 10 years at this point now for all intents and purposes charles was kind of the white knight he kind of like Lori was maybe not doing so well financially. She was raising kids on her own. And then she meets Charles, who is, you know, financially stable, wants to take on the kids, wants to be a whole family, and everything seems really good. Now, Tylee, who is Lori's second child, her daughter, um, has a father, obviously, and he ends up dying in 2018. Um... There is, this is where things start getting weird, okay? Um, Tylee's father lived in a different state. Um, they were living in Arizona at the time. Lori, Tylee, Charles, the kids. Um, for people, it seemed like people have recollections of Tylee's father dying and Lori being really kind of weird about it. Like, saying... I mean, he was allegedly abusive, so I think this was sort of like a, ugh, like, rotten hell kind of situation. A little, a little bit cold about it, given this was her child's father. So, um, around this time, Lori starts getting more and more involved in this, like, doomsday prepper situation, religious, that's like, kind of... I don't, I think there's like some facets of the Mormon religion to it, but mostly it's just like a cult <laughs> situation. And at that point she meets a guy named Chad. Now Chad is an author. He's written several books about like what happens when the big day comes and all of these like gloom and doom books. And he's sort of known in this circle as like a higher up, a man to be respected. Lori takes to this guy and they start to start talking a little bit more. There's obviously feelings developing and there's, you know, a little, little freaky little sneaky happening here. But on the other side of that, this um, belief, cult, whatever, brainwashing situation 
is it's like a perfect storm like Chad and Lori meet and their delusions meet up to create a disastrous situation in which they feel like they're being led to um get rid of kill the people that they feel are aliens or demons or devils and this ends up creating a just a line of death and tragedy so Lori's husband at the time charles is like this is getting weird for me and he tries to get Lori to get a psych evaluation like he wants her to be you know whatever the arizona arizona equivalent of a 5150 is um the authorities go to Lori. they interview her she is sweet as pie charming smart Tylee seems okay, and so nothing happens. She was cleared by the state and does not have to enter in this um, psychological facility. So, after that, things hit the fan between Charles and Lori. Charles ends up filing for divorce because he's like, this is too much for me. This is a bridge too far. So, during, in the middle of them trying to get divorced, Lori hightails it back to Hawaii and she takes Tylee, no, excuse me, she leaves the kids with other people. So she goes back to Hawaii by herself for a couple months. And at that point, during that time, um, Lori's niece, who is also getting caught up in uh, this like doomsday cult shit, um, she tries to file from divorce from her husband. Um, and this is where things really get weird. <laughs> Okay, so there's a, an ex, uh, t- uh, excuse me, Lori comes back from Hawaii. She's living with her husband. They're not doing well. Lori also has a brother named Alex on sometime in the summer. I think this happened in, in like July of 2018. Um, her brother ends up getting into a fight with her estranged husband. Alex, her brother, ends up shooting her husband and killing him. They say it was a self-defense situation that Charles tried to come at him with a bat and he was just doing what he could to protect the family. And, but you know, who's to say, who's to say. So at that point, the police are like investigating it, but not so much. And they're interviewing Lori as like his body is being carted out and they're interviewing her and she seems very like blase about the fact that her brother just shot her husband dead, like laughing just like any old day, not like his dead body is lying. I should probably issue a trigger warning, but his body is lying in this um, home and she's just like, Hey guys, you guys want some lemonade? Like what's happening? Oh, okay. No big deal. My brother shot my husband. Okay. How are y'all today? A few weeks later, Lori, Tylee, her daughter, her son, JJ, um, the younger, the adopted son, JJ, not the older son, um, Alex, her brother, and Melanie, her niece, who got caught up in all of this stuff as well, they end up all moving to Rexburg, Idaho. So, then we cut to September, The family goes to Yellowstone National Park, and that is the last time anybody sees her daughter, Tylee. So Tylee is about, I think, 17 around this time. Um, 
Chad Daybell, the one that Lori's smitten with and who's sort of the leader of this, not leader, but like a, a well-respected man in this cult, he is married and he's starting to have issues with his wife talking about, like, he's kind of setting up defense. He has a podcast in which he says, oh, I feel like, you know, my wife would kill me if she thought that I was a demon. And he's setting up, like, disaster to come, right? So then Chad also lives in Idaho where Lori just moved and took her kids. So Chad has this like farm compound property area. And through the, this whole investigation, the police find out that Alex, Lori's brother, um, his phone is pinging around the property of Chad's home on the night where, uh, Tylee goes missing. So at this point, Lori's got her oldest son, her adult son, who's doing his own thing. She's got Tylee, who nobody has seen since September. And then she's got JJ, the son that was adopted, who is, you know, um, has a special needs. So uh, JJ's in school for a few weeks. And then that's the last time any of the people at the school see JJ. Comes to find out, uh, Tylee had never been enrolled in school, even though she probably should have. She, you know, had not finished high school. And things go from worse to worser. Lori has a storage unit in Rexburg. There are many instances of people seeing her there or a man and Lori or Alex, her brother showing up on his own. Um, Chad, you know, we're what things seems to be. Chad is pulling up to that facility together. A lot of movement in and out over the next couple of months. So, The niece of Lori's who moved up to Idaho with them, her estranged husband says that, um, he got shot at (laughs) and come to find out the Jeep of the person who shot at him was belonged to, um, Lori's now dead husband, Charles. Interesting, right? The same day that this dude gets shot at, Lori hops on the Amazon.com using her dead husband's account and uh, money to buy a wedding ring for herself and for Chad. Um, So a few days after that, this dude's getting shot at. A week later, (laughs) Chad's wife calls 911 and says that somebody tried to shoot her with what she thought was a paintball gun. She says she has no idea who it was and... Later, it comes out that it was probably Alex, Lori's sister. So, shit, you know, you know, I'm really trying to, like, shorten this, but it's just weird. So, the other other family members who were like, hey, where are our grandson and granddaughter at? Why can't we get a hold with them? We have or had a pretty frequent text and communication call chain with Tylee, the daughter, Why is it all of a sudden that she's missing in action? Why can we not get a hold of her? They would get like a little, like maybe a text here every now and again, but they're like, the texts don't sound like her. We can't, you know, Lori's being very evasive when we ask to speak to her. And when we ask to speak to JJ, she's doing the same thing. So finally, 
the police in Rexburg are able to do a wellness check for the kids um, at the request of JJ's grandparents. They, at this point, had not spoken to him in months. Lori, of course, is, you know, pussy popping her way out of an excuse as to where he is. And, oh, he's with uh, my friend who's, they're going to watch a movie. We probably can't get a hold of her because, you know, they're in the movie. And, you know, her phone's probably on silent. So, you know, like, I'll let you guys know. Next day, the next day the police come back. She's gone. <laughs> She's gone. Chad is gone. Uh, Lori's gone. And then they find out that they, a few days later, had hopped on a flight to Kauai. The children aren't there. And this is where I started getting in the mix. Because I'm seeing all these headlines about two children are missing and here are her parents, here are their parents like hanging out in Hawaii without them. And they have these like very vague and evasive, non-evasive or whatever. What, what is the word? I'm, they're, they're evading the answer as to where the kids are. They don't want to answer questions and they're just like having the time of their life, eating poke bowls and shave ice and, you know, just like living their best fucking lives. They have people following them. They have, um, what is that? Like, da, 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 da. <laughs> what is that? What theme song is that? It's like Inside Edition? Inside Edition. Inside Edition is following them. They're like, girl, where are your kids? And she's like, oh, sorry. Like, I can't talk to you right now. I'm so busy. Gotta go. Oh, it's also worth mentioning that Chad's wife dies. During all of this. Before they get to Hawaii, she dies. He says like, oh, she just died in her sleep. Oh, we don't know what happened. Her body gets exhumed. More on that later. Um, so while they're in Hawaii, um, Alex, her brother, dies, also dies under mysterious circumstances. So we're not talking four people are dead or have had attempts to be killed. There's a lot of bodies happening here. Missing people, people who are definitely dead, people who they're lying about being dead. And all of this is, it's all happening. It's all happening. So Alex was the only person (laughs) who actually died of something that they could confirm. He died of a blood clot. So even though he was out here in these streets, clearly trying to kill people and pop people off and killed his own brother-in-law, he actually dies of something, you know, normal for this circumstance so here's the rub here because they're in hawaii and the kids are missing in idaho they can't or they don't they have to build a case against them in order to have them extradited from hawaii to idaho this happens or this doesn't happen for quite some time like it literally takes them a a good i would say like at least a month Closer to two months before they can actually have them extradited back to Idaho. And at the same time, they're saying, the Rexburg police are saying, Hey girl, you gotta let us know where these kids are, or else. There was really no, um, else (laughs) that they were threatening. They were just like, um, excuse me ma'am, we really need to know where these kids are, and we need to know within a week. And then she's like, yeah, cool. And then the week passes by and they're like, um, hello, ma'am. Where are these children? You said you were going to let us know where they were. And she's like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. 
this was the part that really fucked me up. They like literally offered no consequences for what they were going to do if, and this is exactly what happens. Like no consequences. Like if, uh, Lori doesn't present the kids, which she does not. (laughs) Uh, There's a one point where the police do come and they seize their rental car and stuff like that, but they still like, don't have any answers for where their kids are. Like they're just walking around like truly like, "Mm, we don't have to give you that information. Sorry. Uh, Yeah, the fuck you do. So between December and February, they're just like out there gallivanting in Kauai until February 20th. They finally arrest Lori. She's got a $5 million warrant out for her, for her. Um, They are like getting her on the fact that like she's failing to supply any evidence of where her children are, basically. Um, so she tries to waive her extradition to Idaho, but then that ends up failing. So she sits there up in jail for a few months until finally they're able to arrest Chad as well and uh, say that they're under investigation for conspiracy of attempted murder and or murder by the uh, Gen- Attorney General's office in Idaho. It's not until June that Chad gets arrested because those aren't his kids and he wasn't really in the relationship until after the fact. Um, And so they arrested him in June because they did a, they got a, we were able to obtain a search warrant of his property. And at that point, like within hours of getting that search warrant, they find the remains of the, of JJ and Tylee. So, he gets arrested and it's on and popping from there. So we're just like June of last year. All of this happening. So in the midst of this, they're like, I think we have to um, dig up some bodies and figure out exactly what happened with Chad's wife, with Lori's brother. Like I said, Lori's brother, his situation actually checks out to be something like, you know, natural causes. But then they say, oh, we have the results back on Tammy, but we're not going to release any information, which means you guys are fucked. So as of May 24th, uh, the grand jury indicted Chad and Lori of several new felony charges, including first degree murder, conspiracy to commit murder. Um, And so this is for Tylee, JJ, and Tammy, Chad's former wife. So in the midst of all this, it's come become very apparent that not only was um, Lori killing people because of her alleged religious or psychological, I mean, truly like wild beliefs or doomsday beliefs that these kids were like turning into demons and that they would do certain things that was like not of God and demonic. And so that they needed to be picked off. But on top of the killing of these people, she's also trying to collect money. So she was trying to collect money from, um, uh, Tylee's dad, even though they had not been married, she was trying to get money off of, uh, her ex-husband's, um, Charles's insurance plan, like trying to change his plan to a million dollars and trying to get the money from that. She was trying to get, um, social security. Well, not trying to, she was actively collecting social security money from the kids, um, that she had killed for months, months after, uh, they had gone missing. 
And they've been trying, her lawyers and Chad's lawyers have been trying everything to get them off on this. Not to be surprised, but right now, the big uh, announcement is that they are trying to get, they're trying to say that Lori is not competent to stand trial. Um, She can't handle it mentally. So she was ordered to undergo a psychological evaluation and the court records filed on this past Thursday revealed she was not found to be competent to face trial. So a licensed psychologist who conducted the evaluation recommended that Lori undergo treatment. But the prosecutors are like, no, ma'am, we intend on fighting this in order for her to actually stand trial. Um, so there is a, the judge did issue a hearing or he ordered a hearing on the issue of whether or not Lori is actually incompetent, but that has not been scheduled. So that is where we are with Lori, this crazy murderous bitch today. And it seems like things will be heating up and the trials will be starting soon. So I will be keeping you guys up to date on that. And let's move on. Did you guys hear what Julianne Huff's niece said? Now, I have a lot of feelings about the Huff family, Derek and Julianne. As it is, I find them... I just feel like there's going to be a documentary about them at some point. It feels like Julianne has gotten into this like kind of cult-like, um, live-your-best-life-ism sort of lifestyle, and I just have so many questions. I have so many questions. I want to know about her relationship with Ryan Seacrest, but until I get those answers, let's talk about what her niece said. So, apparently... (laughs) This chick, her... uh, Julian's niece, her name is Star, she went on TikTok and said, my aunt has slept with Leonardo DiCaprio. Apparently, he's not that good in bed. So, does this surprise anyone? No. No. There were, there are no, like, confirmed reports of them actually dating, but I think there were uh, pictures of them from, like, Coachella years ago in which they were, like, you know, cozy and flirty and really having an intimate conversation and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like this is the sort of news that when you hear it, you're like, oh, of course. You you know what I mean? Like, if Leonardo DiCaprio was good in bed, the leader of the Pussy Posse, if he was good in bed, first of all, he wouldn't continuously fuck um, women who were under the age of 25 and, you know, who don't know better. (laughs) And secondly, somebody in the history of his eternal bachelorhood would have said this man was good in bed if he was good in bed. So this is of no surprise to me. I do appreciate the information though. I appreciate what TikTok has given us in terms of um, exposing who is rude when there's this girl and I can't think of what her username is, but she worked at like Bergdorf or Bendels or something like that and she occasionally will do videos of who which celebrities showed up and were nice and which ones were not oh surprise surprise you guys Ramona singer not, not nice not nice she tells this whole a TikTok about how Ramona they had done a pop-up store in the Hamptons Ramona came up with you know three of her 50 girlfriends and how she had just like been a terror she was trying things on just putting them on the floor trying on all these clothes being loud and Ramona-esque and then 
when she was ready to leave was like oh what's a discount and the girl was like oh we don't have a discount per se like we would have to speak to the higher ups about that and Ramona just left everything she's like oh well if I'm not getting a discount then I'm leaving um there was also who was that other one that she said was awful was it Emma Stone Amy Adams all of those women are kind of the same to me so my apologies but that I can't remember it's one of the redheads and it wasn't the one that's married to Borat I think it was Amy Adams that like Amy Adams was like a total bitch and her husband or boyfriend came back to the store and had to apologize for her. Like she pulled the whole, like, you don't know who I am situation on them. Like, ew, ew. But anyway, I, this is like the genre of TikTok that really gets it for me. Like tell the truth, mention it all. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I want to hear more about Hollywood men's trash dick game. That's just me. That's just me. Um, Speaking of, before we get into the Kardashian corner, let's get into what may or may not be happening with Kim and Kanye's love lives. So apparently they're saying, the streets are saying that Kanye may be dating model Irina Shayk, baby mama to Bradley Cooper. That's interesting, right? Um, It's doubly interesting if you believe all the Hollywood beard stories right because Kanye and and um Bradley have a lot of the same rumors about them and have for years so that's interesting and I think Irina has had some rumors about her being a beard so that's interesting I like this though like on its face if I'm eliminating all these alleged rumors about them i see it like it makes completely complete sense to me that he would kanye would date a model and that she would be like a prestige model yeah that makes total sense to me here's another funny story (laughs) where tyson beckford admits that kanye he tells the story about how kanye tried to like get tough with him a few years ago over kim So he says, I was standing in the middle of Oprah Winfrey and Hillary Clinton. He was on the other side of the table. And when I tried to make eye contact with him, he wouldn't look at me. He goes on to claim that Kanye sent one of his people to follow him to the bathroom to talk to him. But Tyson said, I suggest you get out of this bathroom before I wipe you all over the wall. (laughs) So all of this is because Tyson said he accused uh, Kanye or excuse me, Kim rather of getting plastic surgery and was critical on social media to her about it. So this run up, this run in happened at a Ralph Lauren 50th anniversary party. So he goes on to say after that bathroom rendezvous, if you will, two weeks later, Kanye calls him out in an Instagram video and he twists the words to make it sound like Tyson didn't want any smoke from him. And that like, you know, he said, you didn't want, I'm like, you didn't want no smoke. I had on my tuxedo. I would have undone my tie and gotten into it if you wanted to, but you didn't. I think you didn't realize how big I was. This is according to Kanye. (laughs) Uh, What a funny story. Imagine Kanye West can't beat anybody's ass. Please. I feel like I have a good radar for a couple of things. The first of them being whether or not somebody's good in bed. 
And the secondly thing being if people can fight. And I feel very confidently that like Kanye can't fight. He can't throw hands. He, if he were to really get a lick in, it would just purely be by luck. I feel like he would just do a lot of, you know, like, uh, you know, like I'm doing this move and you can't see it. This is a podcast. You guys (laughs) just, he does a lot of backing up. And a lot of, like, there's just a lot of, like, theatrics around it. But there's never any real fighting happening. You know what I mean? Now, moving on to, I feel like, a thing that I may or may not be getting right. There are a lot of rumors about Kim dating Van Jones. And I choose, just for my own sake, to ignore them. Because I just feel like, "Mm, I don't see it, girl. But I know that I have predicted that I saw... Kim dating a white guy and possibly a European man. And she was just seen with this guy named Jamie Rubin. She attended his birthday party, not just a few days ago. And Jamie is like one of UK's notorious bachelors because why he's rich as fuck. He's so wealthy. Well, he's not wealthy. His parents are wealthy, but he does very well on his own. However, he is set to inherit 26 billion dollars from his father's business. So apparently they are um from Mumbai. I uh, they make their money in like metals. <laughs> I really don't even know what that means, but apparently they are very wealthy. They are um responsible for the aluminum output of the world or at least a significant part of it but they're also involved in you know real estate venture capital private equity blah 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 they're like money money like they when there are articles about them they're clear to note that like most of their assets are liquid (laughs) um pretty much they own everything outright they are debt-free they have real true money, not like we have money, but a lot of it's in like houses that we haven't fully paid for. And like, no, they have, it's, it's real, it's real and it's available at any given moment. So I'm here for it. He is, I think 34 to Kim's 40. Um, I like it. I like the idea of her being with somebody old, younger, Kind of, I mean, not Kardashian younger, but, you know, this is a respectable younger, I mean, in terms of age gaps in the family, this is nothing. This might as well be uh, six months, you know? <laughs> um, I I like this for them. I really, really do. Uh, for her, rather. I, I want to see, like, Euro Kim. I feel like that's where we get the chicest looks out of her. I feel like this seems to be her, it's like her most mature, most um, put together Kim Kardashian and I'm here for it. I'm here for the London Kim Kardashian. I'm really here for it. With that, you guys, what will we hear? I'm skipping out on the Roni. That is me being giving myself time. (laughs) is me skipping out on the running recap for this week but i will be back with the new episodes on friday so what you guys will hear after this is the kardashian corner and real housewives of beverly hills recap aka the kathy hilton show so i hope you guys enjoy if you're able to give me a five-star review i would appreciate that 
And I hope you guys enjoy your Memorial Day. It's quite cold and and rainy in, in most of the parts of the world that I'm familiar with. So do what you can. By the time... Oh, you guys. Oh, can we just talk for a second? By the time this comes out, Mayor of Easttown will be over. I was like not really getting into the hype, but this past week I caught up and I'm so excited. I am too stupid to have theories, but at this point it's not going to matter. But... If you guys want to talk about Mayor of Easttown, you're welcome to DM me. I'm sure I will be shooketh. I, I'm just going to say, okay, what theory have I been able to cobble together in my, you know, drug-addled brain? <laughs> just kidding. Not really. Um, I think, I don't know, because here's my problem, is that, like, every time I think I'm like okay well what about these people because it's like two different situations with what I'm going to refer to as like the brothers so Billy and John or Josh or whatever his name is and then the youth so like the baby daddy who's not the baby daddy and her friend and the black one who doesn't really seem to talk (laughs) I don't know why he's there but so if I think about like, okay, they had an issue, then I just can't see the crossover between the other two. And then like, where does the priest fall into it? And then what, ha- you know, what does Lori know? Is that, is that her name, Lori? What does Mare's friend know? Who's on that picture? What's going to happen? Why can't Mare mind her own business? Ugh. I'm, I'm, I'm here for all of it. I'm so excited. What's going on with Siobhan? Siobhan? I feel like... We're going to get a big, um, I, my only real prediction is that there's going to be a big bomb drop about Siobhan. That, that's what I'm here for. That, that's what I think. That's the only thing that I'm going to say right now. But like I said, you guys will have heard or seen what happened at this point. So yes, I, I'm open. My DMs are open for a limited time to, to talk about Mary, Mayor of Easttown. Um, yeah. Okay. Bye, love you. You needed a 560, you got a 474. I am a failure. To do the next test is in November. November's in one month. Then. I know. I feel like I just got to the end where I almost knew everything. So you just feel like you're already there, stay in this headspace. Stay in this headspace, I could try. My little sainty just tested positive for COVID. I'm supposed to be doing 12 hour study sessions with my tutor but taking care of my kids obviously comes first i think we're gonna be able to make this work oh my god my stomach hurts um all right you guys pop on some brown kkw lipstick and let's head on into the kardashian corner shall we i have a question for you guys before we get into this recap of the last episode do we think that the kardashians influence on fashion is already waning or do we think that they still have it because I'm noticing over the season they're doing a lot of throwback 90s which is to be expected because that's what's in right now however the 90s that I see the youths um engaging in and the 90s that Kim and Courtney and Chloe seem to be engaging in are like two different 90s. Like the Kardashians are going for more of a R&B culturally appropriative like 
we looked at the cover of Monica's first couple albums and now we're bringing it into 2021. It's very interesting to me. And I just wonder, are we done? Are we done with the, the death grip that the Kardashians have had on the world of fashion and influencer style? Hmm. A great question to be had, but let's talk about the episode. We start off with uh, Kim and Jonathan and Kim's mausoleum of a home. And here's, I have to explain this because the house is not a typical house as we all know, right? So we're in what I'm assuming is living room number seven or three. I don't know, but it leads out into the backyard, kind of. It's almost like there's a wall of windows and then there's like this space where you could do a lot into it but it doesn't necessarily look into the backyard it just sort of is part of the backyard but there's a wall between the windowed wall from the interior of the home to the and there's like an exterior wall so I hope that makes sense. So there's like basically in this room, what you're looking out and the window at is this cube of empty space, right? So Jonathan walks in and he's like, whoa, what is happening here? And if Jonathan is um, overwhelmed, then I think that's a, a lesson and maybe we're doing too much, right? So what she... Kim has put in this empty cube of a space is I think she changes it up every now and again but at this point it looks like if you were to put a dandelion under a microscope like the fluffy dandelion not the yellow one it looks just like tufts of brown it looks like if we were to move to Mars that would be the fauna or the flora, rather, that was part of the landscape. Very strange. I don't know why I'm talking about this, because, I don't know, it's just upsetting to me. There was nothing else from that scene, except for, was it, this is the part that Jonathan starts talking, yes. This is a part where Kim is introducing the idea of her 40th birthday, the one that she got roasted to high hell on Twitter for, because she's like, you know, me and my closest friends all tested in quarantine up to this moment to have this time together on a private island. And we're so blessed and so lucky to be able to do this while everybody's, you know, just wondering if they're going to have a job tomorrow and if they're going to die of this virus. Um, so they're talking about like all the safety precautions they're taking. And I officially call bullshit and I'm calling bullshit because really Kim should have had this conversation with anyone else except for Jonathan. But if you were to have nothing else to do with your time and also are not somebody who prioritizes self-care in your own life like I do, occasionally look at Jonathan's Twitter, you will find that he is everything that you expect to be. All of his opinions are exactly what you expect them to be. He is clearly uh, right-wing. He's clearly, you know, anti-mask. He clearly, like, has these, uh, you know, 
conspiracy theories about masks and all of this shit. So you're telling me that Jonathan was carefully quarantining and wearing a mask and doing the proper testing leading up to this. Bullshit. 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 <laughs> Not happening. And so you expect me to think that all of your like 40 friends or how I think she brought 40 friends for her 40th birthday. All 40 of those people were, do, were taking the necessary precautions. No, ma'am. Not happening. Not happening. Um, then they start getting to this absolutely disgusting conversation about how Kanye and Jonathan don't like the word quarantine anymore and they don't like it and how disgusted Jonathan is by the phrase curbside pickup. Like he is acting as though these restaurants are literally putting your entree right on the curb for you to pick up with your bare hands as if them carrying out to your car is like a disgusting inconvenience to him. I mean, even for Jonathan, fuck off. What is wrong with, never mind. <laughs> never mind. I don't, you know, praise, look for the silver lining in every situation. Pra- praise up and praise God that I, we're never going to have to deal with J- Jonathan ever again. We're never going to have to see him on our TVs if we don't want to. Oh, God bless. So, the Kardashians have a bunch of birthdays in a row. It's Kim's birthday, uh, Chris's 65th, Kendall's 25th birthday, Caitlyn's got a birthday somewhere in there. Um, and so it's just like a hectic time for everybody. Kim has decided that she is going to do something very special for Chris in that she is going to, for her 65th birthday, create and style 65 looks that she can feel comfortable in, that she feels, you know, sexy and fashionable for her age because I guess she's been feeling a little bit insecure about wearing certain things because she feels like she's too old to wear them. Fair enough. Very thoughtful gift. Truly overwhelming. We'll get to that later. So then the news that we've all been waiting for, but probably assumed, is that Kim announces that she did not pass her baby bar. So we all know that Kim's been on this journey of basically doing like an intern, not an internship, but like an apprenticeship to get her law degree in California rather than going through the traditional track of law school. So you have to take this pre-bar or the baby bar in order to even make it to the second round to even qualify for taking the actual bar. Um, So this is like to prove that the two years of studying that you've done have actually sunk in. And then they're like, okay, now we'll start taking you seriously. So she did not pass. Apparently, you're supposed to get a 560 in order to pass, and she got a 474. The lady on the screen, her attorney slash tutor, whatever, said that this was a very close situation. 90 points doesn't sound super close to me, but okay. I mean, if she's saying it, then that must be true. I don't know. I don't know. Kim is really on the fence about whether or not to retake the bar because she either has the option of taking it in June, so like now, or taking it a month from when they filmed this, which is uh, November. So she's like, I really just don't know. Maybe this was as far as I was supposed to go. I, You know, our dad would be so proud of me. He also told me growing up that it was going to be very hard. You're going to get gray hairs. And I think that maybe he was trying to prepare me. And this was very sad. (laughs) I thought, 
I think maybe he was trying to prepare me for the fact that I wasn't going to be able to do something like this. Like I wasn't capable. And so he was trying to like curb her enthusiasm about the whole thing. I thought that was sad. <laughs> right? <laughs> I don't know. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. She and Chloe decide to ride around in like Burbank or wherever neighborhood they were in and look for signs. I guess this is a thing that they do. So they try to, you know, ask the universe to provide an answer for them. So Chloe's riding shotgun and taking pictures of street art to say like, you know, the struggle is part of the journey or whatever the fuck. There was no conclusion to that. Really no conclusion. Um, So Courtney two times. Famously, I call her Courtney two times because she is... Um, outright officially announced that she is going to quit the show two times. And yet here she is again, Courtney, two times um, her storyline for the episode. You guys wait for it. It's a, it's a wild ride. You guys, she apparently has been for the last few holidays, birthdays, whatever has been giving Kendall sections of this Hermes uh, China set, Right perfect gift to give your 20 something year old sister um so this set is like horse themed which we all know kendall loves a horse she loves an equine situation and that she was trying to figure out what the next set what you know what parts of the set that she hasn't got before so she called hermes to say oh, what have I not bought? I'll just get that for her birthday. And the person at Hermes told them, told Ken, uh, told Courtney that Kendall had returned some of the items. So Courtney's like, okay, I got you, bitch. I'm actually going to start trolling you and continue to buy you this expensive china because you don't know that I know that you don't like it. Okay, wacky wacky she is laughing so hard at the idea of this like could not keep a straight face could not barely even get the words out of her mouth she thought this was gonna be the funniest thing well do i have a story for you guys turns out she gives her the the next set of gifts kendall's like great love this can't wait to add this to my collection and then Courtney decides later to go over to Kendall's house to get a gotcha moment and say, hey, why don't you show me that um, the China set that I got you since you said it was in your house? And oh, oh, turns out she actually does have it. We get a little peek at this print. Hideous. <laughs> Hideous. 
not only am I like not a traditional woman or person who would want a whole bunch of fucking china, certainly not Hermes china. I also the print ugly. It's like the ugliest china print that I have ever seen in my life. It is like like a almost picture yourself at the Met. And you're looking into the like 1800s, late 1700s art. It's like this hand-painted horse with the border of whatever, like, I don't know, maybe it was like an ashtray or something. The border of the tray was this like kind of pseudo indigenous sort of Mexican print and it didn't really go with this like traditional English countryside style horse that's in the center really made me think maybe this was the inspiration behind that horrific (laughs) cultural appropriation tequila line that Candles got going but here's the point Courtney was foiled again because she actually does have the print and she says she really appreciates the stuff and the stuff that she did return were duplicates of things that she had gotten from other of her rich friends. Ugh. Ugh. A necessary storyline for the episode. So then we get to the private island birthday party. All of the footage is self-shot. Corey's doing a, a split in the sand during a a dance-off that he has with Tristan. Um, Everybody's having so much fun. Then they show that video of Robert, the hologram video that Kanye created and developed for Kim for her birthday, in which Robert is talking about her pee and, uh, you know, I can't, you're going to do so great in law school. I'm so proud of you. Also, say hi to your brothers and brother and sisters okay bye and then he turns into like glitter or whatever um this was awkward (laughs) this was an awkward scene um as you guys know my father has also passed away and I don't think that I would particularly love the idea of somebody creating a hologram with his very similar voice and likeness Maybe I would. Maybe I would in the moment. I don't know. It was clearly a very sweet gesture. I've seen a lot of people who have said, you know, I've had parents or family members pass away. I would love to have an experience like that. I'm just speaking for myself. I think it would like really upset me. I really do. But that being said, Kim seems to really like it. But it was also a very awkward thing because it's not... It was as though somebody set up a tripod from like five feet away from where everybody else was sitting and watching this video. So you can't quite see their reactions. The lighting's not good. But what you can tell is you almost can't really even tell who is who with the exception of uh, Scott and Mason because they're closest to the camera. So what we see is clearly half of the people are crying. And I'm assuming those people are Kardashians. <laughs> and then the other half of the people are like not Kardashians who are just staring at these people who are crying, which is, you know, the perfect environment for a very awkward situation <laughs> where it's like they just don't, nobody knows what to say because they did not expect that. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, wow, 
that happened. You know, like it's just a very, Scott, poor Scott is so freaked out. You could see in his face, he is freaked the fuck out. He is holding on to his gold jewel in his hand. He's got Mason in his other hand and he's just looking around like, uh, (laughs) what was that? It's worth mentioning that Kim says that at the time that she saw the video, Kanye was not on the island yet. And I know that there were a bunch of rumors of people saying, oh, Kanye never came to her birthday. But I think she, like, released some pictures that said that he did come at the last moment or whatever. But who cares? This is like, ooh, the lead up. When did they actually officially announce their divorce? Let me look this up. Okay, so Kim filed in February and her birthday is at the end of October. So we're, you know... Just at the last gasping breaths of the Kimye relationship happening. So um, then we're back from the vacation and Kim decides to just surprise uh, Chris with her birthday gift. Now, I'm trying to figure out the timeline here. Let me, I'll put a pin in that and go back to that. <clears throat> but... Chris comes over, Chris and Corey come over to the house. So what they did is they set up their mausoleum. The West mausoleum has been set up with mannequins that are adorned with every look that uh, Kim has styled for Chris. So it's in all of the rooms, all these, you know, empty rooms that didn't have furniture in them anyway, all the way down that creepy, uh, the ring hallway. Um, The whole thing is just completely set up. It looks... And I think Chris mentioned that, like, it looks like the Met, like when they have their costume, you know, if you go to the Costume Institute, part of the Met Museum, um, Chris, Chris doesn't know what's happening. She's a maybe one and a half feet into the house and she looks at one mannequin and it's like, what's happening? Uh, what, what is this? <laughs> Kim just stares at her for like what feels like hours while Chris is trying to figure out what the fuck are all these mannequins for? Why are they all dressed in so much black? What's happening? So finally Kim's like, Oh, here's your present and explains it to her. And she's like, "Ah." (laughs) I gotta say, I'm going to miss seeing Chris cry over everything, every damn thing. There was also, and I don't think a lot of people notice this, uh, just like a random black man playing piano in the corner of one of the rooms. Like, because, you know, Kanye can't have a moment without employing some musician in the home like (laughs) to create the ambiance for the experience. Um, The gift, like I said, the birthday gift is very nice, but it feels more romantic than a gift between a daughter and to a mother. Um, But like I said, listen, if I ever have a daughter and she wants to uh, fill her house with Prada jackets and Zanotti shoes and, uh, you know, full on Dolce & Gabbana gowns. Well, maybe not Dolce, but you know, like Versace gowns. um, I'm here for it. Thank you very much. Chris said that this was the best day of her life or one of the best days in her life. (laughs) And I believe it. I believe it. I would believe being like, damn, I made this daughter of mine wealthy through blood, sweat, and tears, and her vagina, and look at me now. 
we've got a full circle moment in which I am now getting the fruits of all of my labor. Okay. Thank you so much. Now look at me. I got a house full of designer clothes to take with me. That's a moment. That's, that's a real moment. Probably one of the more defining moments in Chris's career, if if she really wanted to think about it that way, because I'm thinking about it that way. Good for her. Congratulations. And happy birthday to you, Kristen. Um, Y'all have too much money. <laughs> this is so much money. I mean, I really would like to know how much money all of those designer wares cost. Like the whole shebang. Mm, put a tally up, E. Put a tally up. I want to know. Um... Anyway, after that, we see Kim on the phone with her doctor. And she says, little Sainty has COVID. He's fine. You know, he's coughing all over me. And uh, North says she's not feeling well. And I shared the bed with her. So we're all doing great. And I'm anticipating that these COVID tests that North and I just took are going to come back negative. And then the screen pops up and says, everybody in the family got tested positive for COVID. Now, this is what I wanted to know the timeline for. Because, like I said, I don't believe for one second that uh, Jonathan was adhering to these strict, you know, these allegedly strict COVID protocols before getting to the island. We know the kids were there. We know... Kim obviously was there. It's her birthday. Um, And what Kim tells us is that Saint is part of a little pod for his school and that the kids have to get tested every week in order to be able to hang out and go to school in their pod. So one of the kids tested positive in Saint's pod and he had been obviously very close to him. I mean, I imagine these pods are only like five max children at a time. Um, I would just like to know, you know, there's really, there are so many people out there who test positive for COVID who can't really pinpoint who they got it from or when they got it. And I just, you know, I don't know if it's entirely fair to say that Saint got it from a kid. Like maybe Saint gave it to the kid, you know, because Saint was the one who was hanging out with 40 people. Probably not this other kid who is adhering to the rules of being in the pod. I would just like to know what the timeline was of them coming back to them testing positive for COVID. Because it seems like Kim giving... Oh, and I forgot to mention this. Kim giving Chris the present was like just days after they got back from their island vacation. And during that scene... Kim's saying something like, oh, I don't really feel that well. So she's wearing a mask. And so is North walking around with a mask on and with what looks like a, like an apron with extra masks and other little like, you know, hand sanitizer and other accoutrement, if you will, you know, North, the nurse. Um, So they had Chris come over without a mask even though they clearly at this time knew that there was some sort of risk happening that they needed to guard other people and protect other people from. And then all of a sudden she's getting COVID. And so now Kim is testing positive for COVID. She's got it. She's got the symptoms. She's not feeling well. Her stomach's hurting. Her head's hurting. She's, uh, you know, not, not doing great, not doing great. And so, there she had a tutor that was supposed to fly in to help her 
for the last two weeks leading up to the second baby bar test to help her study and really cram. But he obviously is stuck in a hotel and they're having to do these virtual tutoring sessions while Kim is coughing and Saint is screaming from one side of the house to the other. So I just, I feel like Saint probably got it from Jonathan. Okay. I'm just going to say it. And if he didn't get it from Jonathan, he probably got it from like Fi or um, Harry Hudson or, you know, Tristan. Tristan. He probably got it from Tristan. Um, you know, or Courtney. Maybe he got it from Addison Ray. Who's to say, you know? Um, I just thought that that was really suspicious to me. Real suspicious. Um, that's really the end. Kim decides to move forward with continuing on to take the test, the baby bar. She's like, listen, I got COVID. There was at one point where I took the test where I felt like I was going to pass out, out, but I pushed through and I'm here in my KKW or whatever, um, sleepwear, my skim sleepwear. And, you know, maybe I did pass out a little bit during the test, but I made it through. And the conclusion is, hey, um... I am going to take the test with COVID. If I pass, great. I pass it with COVID. If not, then I'll just blame COVID on the fact that I didn't, you know, that I had brain fog. Um, It seems like if she took it in June and she found out in October, that's around four months, three months. So she, if she took it in November, she would have found out in March at the latest. So I feel like... If Kim passed the bar the second time, this would have been the perfect time for her to announce, I passed it the second time, so I feel like she probably didn't pass again. <laughs> and we're just got not getting news about it. But I kind of feel like she should have just said, like, yeah, you guys, I took it again, I didn't pass. So, I don't know. I hope we're not held hostage to that mystery for another six months, because I can't take it. I can't take it. But I also feel like I know the answer. Okay, that's the end of the Kardashian Corner. I, I am not, I'm not doing this. I'm going to tell you right now. You're not doing what? I am not talking about racial stereotypes when I am... Well, it's easy for you not to. Um, see, this oh, sorry, is that's why. That's actually not true. You probably you have a lot. Everyone because does. what? I'm a Southern white girl. Do you want to talk about when I see dumbass rednecks on the TV and that's supposed to be me? I also have a stereotype, but I don't want to bring it up. We are educated. We are traveled. It's not insane. It is called Are you one of those people that you don't see color? Tell me you're that girl. I don't see color. Are you serious with me right now? Are you that girl? I don't see color. guys let's talk about the real housewives of beverly hills uh aka the kathy show i mean kathy is doing the fucking work she is carrying this franchise on her back thank you very much and i'm not this is not to say make no mistake you guys do i think that kathy hilton is an evil woman yes Have I continuously told you guys that I love a terrifying woman? Also, yes. So don't get 
actual love mistaken for good for the show. (laughs) My standing is specific to this experience and this season, to be clear. Let's talk about the episode. Um, We start off with Garcelle meeting up with Kyle. On the way, she FaceTimes Sutton to tell her that she's on their way. And she says to Sutton, the reason why I did not bring up this issue that I have with Kyle at Dorit's barbecue is because I just didn't feel like, you know, I didn't feel the need to have that conversation in front of everybody. And that my friends has to mark maybe the third time on Beverly Hills that we've ever heard a woman say that she did not and intentionally decided, made the choice to not have a fight with another one of the housewives on camera in front of everybody in a social setting. Wow. Put that up on the board. The next scene we see is the feds doing a sweep of the Girardi residence and closets again. Or, you know, oh, Erica. Erica's also there, I guess. Um, Ironically, Erica's, you know, getting glam. Mikey's there. Some other random assistant at their, her other apartment in the city. Full of clothes. Not even her main primary residence, but just another space so she can put up a bunch of fucking decorative pillows with Mikey's face all over it and racks of clothing. You know, just always good to spread the wealth, if you will. (laughs) Sutton knocks on the door and says, police. And I feel like that's could not have been the first time that Erica will hear that in the future get get used to it girl get used to it Sutton also walks in with a uh welcome gift of contraband things that she will not be able to bring to Sing Sing and I just hope that Erica enjoys it she did say I will fully be eating this and girl enjoy it because your next trip is going to be a long road of ramen noodles and nutty bars. It's not going to be a nice little uh, Martha Stewart quality muffin. They they can't put that in because they're afraid of razor blades and other sorts of, you know, contraband getting in. Um, so Erica says that basically there was there really anything. <laughs> was there really anything that happened? Uh, Sutton told a story um, about uh, she the last time she went to Lake Tahoe she sat next to a guy on the plane the plane the, or the guy was a pilot who had just had his license stripped from him because he was flying a helicopter for a porn company and they were shooting a scene there and apparently one of the talent decided to be a benevolent queen and give him what Sutton refers to as a knobber Now, Sutton said that she had never heard that term before. I feel like I have not either. That seems like a specific term used for a guy who would, um, you know, do, have his whole career taken away, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and, and gleefully tell the story to a stranger. That, that seems like a term for a guy like that. So then we have just another incredible conversation of Garcelle bringing people to not even the red table, just whatever table she feels like it. Okay. Any table around LA, she will meet you. She will read you down and you will apologize. And that will be the end of it. 
And she'll also look better than you. Thank you. So she sits down with Kyle and she wants to talk about her issues. So we got one conversation with Renna down and now we're moving on to Kyle. So I have to give, I mean, if we're, okay, if we're allowed to compare um, the conversations surrounding race that happened in this episode, I would say clearly this was the more positive and productive conversation. Um, and I think it is fair to compare because there was a thorough, a through line of it being because of Garcelle and Kyle, right? The second argument. Um, that being said, I can't give Kyle an A for the situation because she did fight kind of like Ramona did when, um, Ebony, uh, talked to her about, using the phrase the help to to um speak about her domestic workers so kyle was really ugh, pretty adamant and here's what i didn't like about what kyle said so the whole issue between kyle and garcelle is the fact that garcelle feels like kyle didn't really accept her kind of glazes over her doesn't really pay attention to her isn't really trying to get to know her on a real level and then, to make it worse, the donation situation, which we'll talk about in a second. So, Garcelle's trying to explain, like, you made me feel this way. You made me feel excluded. And Kyle's response is, um, regardless, she says, regardless of what I made, of, excuse me, regardless of what made you feel like that, I just want to give you a hug and start from scratch. <laughs> Well, I don't think if somebody is saying that you made the, if you hurt their feelings, you can't really be like, well, regardless of what made you feel that way, that is not taking ownership. That's not an apology. <laughs> That's not even an acknowledgement of what she said. It's a glazing over of the situation and not listening to her, which is exactly the problem that she said you guys had in the first place. Okay, so Garcelle is like, you know what, girl? We can move past this if you want to acknowledge how fucked up it was that you said at the reunion that I didn't uh, give the donation that I wrote, raised my hand for at your charity. Kyle again um, says she tries to fight it and then Garcelle really like cuts her off because she's like, listen, I'm not Yolanda, girl. This this ain't happening. Okay. You're not going to run me, bitch. And you know what? That maybe isn't a fair comparison because I think I have never done a rewatch of Beverly Hills, but I've been seeing a couple clips of Yolanda around the internet lately. And I'm thinking maybe I like her. Maybe I do. I feel like I did not like Yolanda. And maybe I think I'm seeing that through the David Foster of it all. Maybe I didn't like David Foster, and that really painted my feelings about Yolanda. So I'm going to look back. When I'm done with New York, I'm in season six, you guys, the um, Aviva's downfall, um, writer girl, Heather Holla Thompson, new Kristen Takeman season, and ugh, it's not like the most fun ride. It's not the most fun ride. I'm ready to have Bethany back. And that's not something that I really want to have on record as saying. But, you know, here we are. Um, so where am I? Where am I? 
Oh, so Garcelle cuts Kyle off because she knows that she's about to do some bullshit again. And here's what Kyle says. Gotta break it down. Gotta break it down. Because Kyle, I feel like, gets away with a lot. So first she says, I'm not even um, in charge of collecting the donations for my for the charity. Okay, so why did you say anything? And two, if we had been in a good place, I probably would have never said anything. Okay, that is incredibly immature. <laughs> Ma'am, I know you, your doctor just took 10 years with your new nose job, but that doesn't mean that you get to behave like a 20-year-old. Like, girl, come on. I, if I wasn't, if we were in a good place, I wouldn't have said that to you or about you, girl, grow up. <laughs> so Garcelle hits her with the he and says, Hey, do you think that you would have said that if I was a white woman? Do you think you would have said that to the other white women on the show? Or did you just say that to me? Kyle, of course, shocked, awestruck that she would even suggest that. And Garcelle's like, listen, before you even think to shed a tear because we all know where this train is going i'm gonna just hype you to some game here black people have a really harsh stereotype against us when it comes to not tipping not paying being stingy what have you and that really pissed me off that you would say that on national television fair um Apparently there was a situation where they tried to collect the funds, but it was a, a situation with the address where I, it seemed for all intents and purposes, Garcelle had every intention of paying or even thought she paid, but there was an, an issue with the address and, and something happened. It got settled for sure. Um, Garcelle then tells Kyle another story about how she was at a restaurant. She received horrible service. And she had a moment where she got the check or she had to think about, do I tip this person or not? Because if I don't tip them, they'll probably just be like, oh, she's black. Black people don't tip anyway. That's expected. Or do I compensate this person who treated me poorly, who was attentive to everybody around me except me? Um, and, you know, was probably, you know, it's like a double edged sword of he probably treated me shitty because I'm black. And then he's going to use my anger against me. In a confessional, Garcelle goes on to say that in Hollywood, or I think really she meant specifically the women on the show, they'll ask you, you know, where'd you get your purse? Where'd you get your bag? You look so beautiful. Double kisses, blah, blah, blah. But they don't really ask, what is your experience like as a black woman in Hollywood? And that makes me feel like an outsider a lot of the time. Um, Kyle does apologize she does admit that she did not think about what Garcelle has to go through and how she has to wire her brain for the world and the world's perception of her. And she also thanks Garcelle for letting her know and helping her to understand the situation. Best case scenario, I got to say, even though I don't think that Kyle handled it well until she really had to be like specifically told and given examples and taught a history and given a lesson was it a necessary lesson yes but is it a lesson that garcelle should have to tell her and should have to explain to her absolutely not and it took a you know i noticed that um kyle was being a little bit um resistant until she was like explained in detail why it was bad 
Um, so then we get our second full scene of Crystal. And I noticed it as few people have been saying, I, I think the jury's still out on the opinion of Crystal. I think a lot of people find her to be delightful. And I think there are some people that find her to be a little bit, I don't know if thirsty is the right word, but a little snobbish, maybe. I love it. I gotta say this. I love it. Here's why I love it, you guys. And I think I said this last week. If Andy and Bravo want to specifically pitch us and give us the vision of Beverly Hills and tell us that the reason why we should be watching Beverly Hills is because it's a prestige show. You're giving into the fantasy of that Beverly Hills upper echelon Hollywood lifestyle. Then give us women like this. I want a woman. She gives us almost shades of Camille. Except for Camille is like a true, just like terrible person. I think Crystal's a nice person. But sh the shades of Camille with the, um, I'm married to somebody who is actually a big name in Hollywood. And I'm the only one of you hoes that is, that has that right. Thank you very much. Um, it's, I've got true fuck you money. <laughs> I'm beautiful. I am smart. I have a brother who's a Chinese pop star, but not anymore. Now he's the Manny. I have a uh, housekeeper who really is in charge of everybody, including myself. Lucy, an icon, so much happy, so, so happy to have another <clears throat> Lucy come into this franchise to erase the taint of Lucy Lucy apple juice from before did the work in only a few mere moments that we saw her on television. Um, Lucy asking how many, sh how many feet do you have, ma'am? Uh, more shoes again, more shoes that I have to open up with a, a butter knife. Oh, thanks. Thank you, Crystal. Um, what is this dress you have in your closet, Crystal? It's ugly. And I'm going to laugh at you right in your face. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care. Um, I want to see her admit that she likes being a traditional tiger mom, but then also admit that it's probably not working because her children are crazy. I love this. I love this. I want to see her children say things like, I'm going to discuss uh, getting a birthday present with Nine-Eye when we get to grandma's house. And you know what? We're going to keep the budget to under 2000 I think we can manage that. That's, that's what I want to see. That is the behavior that I want to see. Like, if you're going to do it, do it right. And Crystal is doing it right. So all the ladies then meet up at the airport hangar to fly to Lake Tahoe. And thus begins the Kathy Hilton show. She's walking in in like a pink L.L. Bean all-weather jacket. She's got her comfortable shoes on. Also matching hot pink. Thank you very much. She is talking about how I am very well-traveled. Thank you. Check my mileage. Check the stamps on my passport. However, I don't really fuck around with just these all-girls trips. I'm out here with Rick, and I'm happy. But I'll do this for you guys. But, Lisa, do you have snacks? And will you be having the good nibbles at this house? Because I will call the driver and have him turn that Rolls Royce right around to take me back to Rick. 
if that is not the case, okay? And I'm taking my box fan with me. The house is gorgeous, clearly being promoted by Airbnb Lux, which is a thing that I didn't even know existed. 17 bedrooms, girl. 15 acres, beautiful. Um, can't stay on the first floor because the bears get in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no wonder you have 17 bedrooms because you can't use the first five that are on the main floor. No wonder. Um, can you imagine just sleeping and having a bear <laughs> just tapping on your balcony door? Girl, no, ma'am. I was sudden. I, you don't have to tell me twice. I'll take my things and go. This whole scene where the women were acting so put off by having to uh, get their, bring their luggage from the car to their three steps down the stairs. Poor thing. Poor thing. Dorit talking about, you know, I can, I can handle this. I can even put on my own makeup and do glam for a couple days. I can really slum it with the best of you. But taking my luggage and having to carry it is a bridge too far for me. <laughs> Not enough to read this episode. I gotta say, I hope we we're seeing more of her. Um, I loved this refresher onto why Kathy and Kyle were on the outs until recently. I had completely forgotten <laughs> that it was all because of this failed, um, what was it? Like a CBS show that was modeled after their life called American Woman hilarious this is lisa renna that i love and i was ex trying to explain it last week of just be a shit stirrer don't try to be do this on the defense of anybody else just be an asshole Rena. so we see this flashback where kyle's like oh you know we me and kathy have had our rough times but you know we're really getting back together now and there's a flashback from 2018 where kyle is telling renna oh uh kathy and i just went to dinner the night before or lunch or whatever and Rena's like, oh, that's great. That's probably because your show got canceled, right? She's talking to you again because the show's not on the air anymore. <laughs> Love it. Iconic. Um, I also appreciate Kathy. Kathy Elton and this box fan. <laughs> she brought that whole full-size fan. I'm thinking, and that's my fault. I'm thinking it's one of those little fans that you can put up by on your dresser or not on your dresser well on your dresser on your bedside table not a full-on like, <laughs> not a full-on floor box fan girl <laughs> how do you not laugh does she brought that whole box fan on a on a trip on a private plane incredible she says she can't sleep without it. Kyle's, she's unpacking and Kyle's talking to her in her hotel. And Kathy is doing this thing where I'm catching on to it now. Kathy plays stupid. Y'all wondering where Paris got this? Kathy plays dumb to get people to do what she wants. And they eat it up every time. So Kathy has this box fan. As close as you can get to the socket. And she says to Kyle, I can't. I can't plug in the box fan. Like, it doesn't work. And Kyle goes over there and says, well, it's not, it's not plugged in, Kathy. All, all, literally, all she had to do was plug it in. <laughs> and then Kyle says, I don't know what Kathy would do. I don't know how she's made it in this far in life. <laughs> it's like, well, because dumbasses like you are doing her bidding. That's why. Crazy like a fox. Ooh, 
Speaking of Kyle being a dumbass, she insists on making salmon for everyone for dinner, despite there being an in-home chef. And thank God for the chef who was just like, all right, you're not going to let me do my job. Well, I'm really not going to do my job. And Kyle ends up burning the salmon. How did she end up burning the salmon when they were literally hanging out in the living room right next to the kitchen? Nobody noticed that burning salmon scent from 20 feet away? Okay. I, I loved it. Hilarious. Hilarious that she was making such a big deal over this basic lemon wedge on top salmon. <laughs> Only to have it burn. Only to have it burn. Um, Kathy keeps calling Kyle Doogie. Like Doogie Hauser, And she just says it's like a, a, a little nickname from the family. Now, you guys, I'll give you a little bit of information. Because I feel like people found this very strange. However... I grew up in a family which we all have nicknames, not just my immediate family, but cousins, all of them. I, (laughs) my nickname is Scrock, S-C-R-O-C-K, or Scrocula, if you're being um, formal, (laughs) my more formal name. Why is this? Because as a child, my mom would lift me in the air, like as a baby, and (laughs) And do like the, you know, Superman thing, but she would use the word scrocula as to me. There's, I, there's no, like, it's not a word. It's just my nickname. Okay. And up until now, I've managed to make it 35 years without anybody outside of my blood relatives knowing this. And now you guys know, now, you know, a little bit of my business. Don't let that fool you into thinking that you can call me that. Okay. You're not my mama. Okay. Unless you are. Hi, mom. So after dinner, Dorit proposes a game of two truths and a lie. Um, Crystal goes up first. Her She reveals that she was actually an escort, or not an escort. She was an operator, a phone operator for an escort service when she was 18. Um, Sutton reveals, to the shock of absolutely everybody, that she uh, worked as a barista at Starbucks at one point. Um, they found that more shocking than the idea of her entering into a marriage as a virgin, <laughs> which she did not. Um, I, they were like, no, there's no way, no possible way that you could have ever worked at Starbucks. No, you no. I would like to know when this was, was this like a, a lady Gaga springing up with the, the empire state building to do a, a shift? And, and give away some, like, free frappuccinos? Or was this, like, a real job? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this 
allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. I mean, it's pretty horrible that Sutton is so rich that people cannot conceive of her having a normal job, but I'd like to see the receipts as well. I'd like to see them. And I would like for her to make me a cortado. I would like to see that. Um, then who goes next? Erica. Erica <laughs> says that she wore a wire in a case to try and nab somebody, that she worked for the mafia, and that, what was her third one? That she is adopted. So she did reveal that she was adopted, but like through her stepfather, her father, stepdad took the steps to formally adopt her, but her mom was always there. Um, and then she would not reveal which one of the two, the other two, the mob thing or the wiretapping thing was a lie. A lot of people saw, thought that that was like her trying to throw people off the scent or try and be provocative because she knows what her storyline is going to be. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think this might be just an attempt that Erica always makes to hint or give us all a little wink at this supposed life where she's lived as like some sort of underhanded, almost like a Danielle Staub, provocative, sexy um, mob wife. And, you know, in a way she has, but it looks a little different in Pasadena, doesn't it? (laughs) Doesn't it? Um, Then Kathy, (laughs) Kathy goes again. (laughs) And Kathy's, True truths and a lie are that she worked as a dental assistant, she worked as a hairdresser, and that she worked as a receptionist at the Waldorf Astoria. Um, Garcelle looks around and is like, wait, didn't you say all of those things to me at one point? <laughs> and then Kathy just laughs. Because she didn't understand the rules and just like, I'm just gonna, or maybe she did. I think Kathy's a lot smarter than, I think she's getting off on like looking stupid, but I think Kathy knows exactly what she's doing. She's like, I don't want to play this game. So I'm just going to say three truths. Like, fuck you guys. Who cares? I will. <laughs> she's a delight. She's a terror, but she's a delight. So then everybody goes upstairs except for Kyle, Crystal, and Sutton. Kyle starts talking about how the day with Garcelle in Tahoe has been so good and it just felt like a cloud has lifted from their relationship. Then we cut to Garcelle having a conversation with Lisa because last week Sutton was talking to Garcelle and says, I think that after that conversation you and Lisa had, Lisa seems to be under the impression that you guys are all good. And Garcelle was like, well, that's her bad for thinking that because we're not, not. So this conversation is just to inform Lisa that they're still on shaky ground. (laughs) Loved it. (laughs) Loved it. To see the wind go out of Lisa's sails when she was like, Oh, you still don't fuck with me? Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) Garcelle says she feels like the conversation that she tried to have was just Lisa saying, I did this, I did that, I did that. Like, showing her hand, but it wasn't really an exchange of information in which Garcelle felt like Lisa really understood what it was that she was upset about. Which is that she feels like Lisa was a shitty friend to Denise, but more than that, 
if you're going to be, if I'm seeing you be such a backstabber and turn on somebody who you claim to be such a good friend, why would I trust you? And Lisa is basically like, well, I don't know why you would trust me. And I'm really, you know, I, there's really no reason for me. I could turn on you at any point. Um, I don't know what to tell you. So that's my truth. Garcelle says, well, that's really crazy that you can't promise that things that are with you aren't going to backfire because I can promise you that I'm not going to go after you. So you should be able to make that same promise to me. Um, Lisa then says, I feel like you kind of wanted to punish me and you kind of wanted to stick it to me a little bit and that's okay. And Garcelle says, listen, I think she mostly says this in a confessional. Like as a black woman, I have been so conditioned to be nice because there are even more stereotypes about the angry black woman. So I have lessened myself and not had these tough conversations because I don't want to get that stereotype stuck on me. Um, but I just want to let you know that it's going to take a little bit of time for me to trust you again. And Lisa says, I accept that. And so in a confessional, Lisa says that Denise didn't want to deal with her issues. And that was another reason why she had a problem with Denise. I think that is completely fair. Denise had it all made in the shade for her. She came on the scene first season. She was incredible. She was so relatable. She was like rocking old Navy jeans and a shirt that she got from Target to a barbecue. And was like, why are you guys all in Comme de Garçon? I don't get this. I have this, you know, gorgeous weirdo fucking husband with a big ass dick. And he lays his pipe upon my vagina and also he blasts some rays inside of me and I don't know if they work but you know what here we are okay and yeah I have dated the most notorious man in Hollywood of the past 30 years but here I am here I am and then we see season two of just like I've just never seen somebody fumble the ball in such an aggressive way as Denise, like all you had to do was tell the truth. I still cannot make sense of what benefit she saw in being dishonest about this Brandy situation. Like if y'all scissored, who cares? Who cares? Not me, not me. And I hate that she was put in a position where she felt like she had to be dishonest because that's really the other side of it. But she also was dishonest and she really didn't need to be. And it, uh, I, I'm still very heartbroken about Denise. I really am. Because she didn't have to go out like that. She really didn't. Um, so Lisa's saying, Denise basically fought us tooth and nail over something that she could have been honest about. But here we have Garcelle saying tough things and having the tough conversations with me and dealing with things in the moment. And I really like that. So, you know, we all know that Lisa loves when people own it. It's really kind of indifferent on whether or not she's going to own it at any, any given moment, but she seems to appreciate when other people do. Um, Lisa says, I'm just going to be myself and I hope that's okay for you. And if at any point it's not, you'll just let me know here for it. I, I like these kinds of arguments, if you want to even call it that, because it never really gets spicy. But I like this discourse 
where she can just say like, hey, I'm not really fucking with you right now. And Lisa can just say, yeah, fine. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing me. And if you don't like it, just let me know, girl. Like, it's not quite a truce, but it is, you know, we see each other, right? So, speaking of people who do not see each other, we go back to Kyle Sutton and Crystal. They're talking about, you know, back to Kyle saying things were good with Garcelle and Sutton brings her insight into the situation. Hey, I've grown really close to Garcelle recently and what I have picked up on her is that Garcelle appreciates when people are real with her. She doesn't like people who are fake. She doesn't like to be called out. That's where the issue is with you. And Crystal's like, I don't really know what you guys are talking about. Put me up to speed. So Kyle, you know, says, Garcelle raised her hand to make a donation. She didn't follow through and pay it, but it has been handled since then. Crystal's face is immediately like, yikes. (laughs) Do you feel like that was something that you needed to do? Do you, Kyle, regret calling Garcelle out for that? And Kyle's like, no. I don't. <laughs> and I and I didn't really until Garcelle sat me down to and explained to me why it upset her. Um, so then Sutton is like, Kyle, I understand what you were doing. And I, ex- you know, I, I get what Garcelle meant about the stereotypes, but I just don't think that, Kyle, you were coming from a bad place. Y'all, this was so unnecessary. <laughs> like, this is, I think... I I don't know if everybody understands why what Sutton did was fucked up because there was no, first of all, you're coming from a place as a friend of Garcelle's, right? Garcelle and Kyle have fixed their thing. Like the fact that Garcelle, that Sutton would almost coddle Kyle in a way and tell her like, and diminish the impact of what Garcelle was trying to say to Sutton, which is what I think Sutton was clearly not aware that that's what she was doing. But by saying like, you're fine, you didn't mean it that way, that really is adding to a privilege. Like there was no reason for her to say, to try and comfort Kyle or to make Kyle feel okay about what she did. I don't think Kyle was asking for that. And I don't think she needed it or expected it. And that's good on Kyle. Not good on Sutton. So Crystal says, I'm going to give you guys the perspective of somebody who's not white. And when you feel like you are, something happens that triggers you over a stereotype It can be so painful that you don't see anything outside of what was that. So, like, yeah, Kyle, maybe what you said was didn't have malicious intent and purely was not coming from any sort of place of understanding what Garcelle um, was going through. But we also have to understand that when uh, people of color, black women, in this case specifically, feel... Like, you're hitting into a point, then you have to understand that, like, they're coming from a place of all of this historical shittiness and racism. And she, just as you say that you can't see where Garcelle is coming from and that's not what you meant, you have to understand that that is what Garcelle took from that experience. 
And then she goes on to say that she's had friends who have made comments to her about Asian stereotypes and it has helped, you know, made her feel some type of way. And she also says, but I also can't understand where Garcelle's coming from because we're coming from two different places. We're two different races, two different places. That was very corny. That's not what I meant. Um, so then Sutton gets more upset and interrupts Crystal and says, I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to do this. Excuse me? <laughs> Crystal says, well, what are we not doing? And Sutton says, I'm not going to talk about racial stereotypes. And Crystal says, well, it's easy for you not to ma'am so then Sutton does some bullshit about what about the redneck stereotype and just because I'm a, a white woman from the south and you know people on tv do these redneck stupid hick people and everybody associates that with me we don't talk about that and Crystal's like well let's talk about it then <laughs> and Sutton wants to cry because I don't know maybe somebody saw Beverly Hillbillies and attributed that to her and she cried into her you know Hermes pillow about it I don't know um she's like you know I'm I'm educated okay and it's like well nobody has to be educated to be respected so let's get that out of our heads first of all um stupid stupid then crystal says what are you trying to say here are you trying to say that you don't see race that you don't see color like is that where you're going with this tell me you're that girl (laughs) tell me you're that girl iconic sounds like are you serious right now and crystal's like well is that what you're saying that you don't see color like what what are you doing here And then the thing ends with the episode ends with a to be continued. Now, there is an offline or an online t- continuation of this story in which a couple days ago, not well, not even at the time that I'm recording this. Well, by the time that you're listening to this, this would have been a, a few days ago. What day is it? This would have been Thursday. So Thursday, <laughs> Sutton wrote on her Instagram. <clears throat> Despite Crystal and my strained relationship at the time, it was disrespectful to interrupt her and not to listen to her express her truth. My life is blessed by the diversity of my relationships, and I am committed to becoming a better listener and understand the painful realities experienced by people of color. I am sorry. I will do better and be better Sutton. So, a couple hours ago... As of recording this, so this would be Friday, Crystal responds and says, Thank you, Sutton. Your apology means a lot to me, and I'm sure it means a lot to many others with similar lived experiences. Asian Americans are often expected to not share their opinions, but despite this stereotype, I believe that everyone deserves to be heard. I consciously rewired myself to be outspoken and share my feelings whenever possible, and I encourage my children to do the same. Now that my platform has grown, I feel I have a duty to speak up for others who don't yet feel safe using their own voices. Listening to one another and validating our different experiences and perspectives are how we all grow as individuals and as a society. Thank you for that commitment, Sutton. I thought this was great. Um, of Crystal, to be clear. <laughs> I thought this was great of Crystal. Um, you know, I felt like Sutton's... Uh, apology was a you know standard 
pretty standard, to be honest with you. And I have to shout out to Sasha of the Bravo Breakdown, who brought up an excellent point, which is last season when Sutton had a conversation with Garcelle about the kitchen, the kitchen being... um, a typically black used phrase about the back of your hair because it tends to be like a little curlier and harder to manage. And Garcelle, or excuse me, Sutton tells Garcelle like, oh, I have a kitchen too. I, I got a kitchen too, girl. I got curly hair. Um, that Sasha brought up a great point about the history of black hair care and the beauty standards and the hell that most black women have at some point put their hair through in order to um you know meet these be- these eurocentric beauty standards and she said she had a conversation with Sutton about this Sutton reached out to her they had a conversation and that she felt as though Sutton gave the same apology that she gave to Crystal and I kind of feel like she Sutton should have also given that apology to Garcelle since that's her friend and that Garcelle was at one point the topic of the conversation. Um, but basically Sasha felt like her apology was uh, disingenuous at the time and said, you know, she's basically doing the same things that she was doing last season. And her apology is just the same as she, hers was to mine last year. So I think that's something that we should all think about. And uh, let's move on to Ronnie. 